Chapter 1. Uncle Vladimir and I fell out a month after his namesake annexed Crimea. At 3am Tel Aviv time, he sent me his last message saying that our family should be grateful to the Soviet Union. When I read my uncle's email at 8am in Brussels, I hardly noticed that his Skype avatar had turned lifelessly grey and that his Viber profile no longer displayed a photo of him in the lotus pose. My attention was riveted by Vladimir's message. He wrote many outrageous things. America had brainwashed me. American capitalism had killed my father. But what struck a nerve was that we, meaning our family, owed the Soviet Union a debt of gratitude. The thought that anyone should long for a regime whose name was synonymous with totalitarianism struck me as obscene. I couldn't believe that my uncle, an avid practitioner of yoga and a keen photographer, had turned apologist for the atrocities of the Soviet Union. The USSR had hacked so ruthlessly at my family tree, decimating us in wars, famines and purges, that we had paid dearly for the seven decades of Soviet socialism. The more I sifted through the memories from my Soviet childhood in Ukraine and recalled the squalor of our lives in the 80s, the more my throat clenched and my temples throbbed. I closed my laptop, stepped over to the window and pressed my forehead against the cold glass. Gabled buildings of Brussels glistened after recent rain, and heavy clouds still hung over a dark line of trees in the distance that marked the outer limits of the city. I exhaled slowly onto the glass, watching the red roofs fade to pale orange. A few seconds later, however, the mist from my breath cleared, and everything sprung back to life, more vivid than before. But my thoughts remained in disarray. Vladimir was my father's older brother. I had lost my father three years before, and Vladimir remained the only link to that side of my family. We were born in the same country, Ukraine. We spoke the same language, Russian. We each now lived in places where nobody knew us as children, as Vladimir liked to say. Yet when we argued, we might as well have been from two different planets. I emigrated from Ukraine at the age of 15 to Chicago, and Vladimir at the age of 55 to Tel Aviv, but he remained in his own Soviet galaxy. His Soviet Union bore no resemblance to the one I knew. For me, the Soviet Union was deprivation and empty store shelves. His was nuclear might and a strong army. My Soviet Union was the collapse of the 80s and the disaster of Chernobyl. His was the boom of the 50s and the flight of Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space. That Vladimir expected me to feel grateful to any of those Soviet unions astonished me. We had several card-carrying communists in the family, and my maternal great-grandfather had proudly called himself a Bolshevik. However, those same communists had voted for Ukraine's independence in 1991, as had my Bolshevik great-grandfather. Nobody had longed for the Soviet Union. I always thought of nostalgia as an illness, and of Soviet nostalgia as a special pathology, and Vladimir's case disturbed me. Normal people shouldn't miss the lines for food, the blackouts and constant shortages. Sane people shouldn't long for a regime that overthrew all humanistic values and killed and jailed millions of its subjects. 
Vladimir himself was imprisoned for making copies of Beatles tapes, so if anyone was brainwashed, it was him. Had my conversation with Vladimir happened at another time, I would have ignored his comments. He was in his late seventies, and many people from my grandparents' generation had opinions and ideas that I couldn't fathom. I resented his anti-American diatribes, but Russian television made him look at the world in terms of fifth columns and devious conspiracies. Usually I deflected the conversations from politics to yoga, an interest we shared, or I would ask him to play the silent films he had recorded as a young man and was gradually digitizing. His latest restoration featured me, existing but not yet born. Vladimir had shot the film during a family camping vacation. My pregnant mother with her hand on her belly, dipping her toes in the river and glancing coyly at the camera. My father pulling a large glistening fish out of the water. 